Welcome to the Encounter Church Podcast. For more information about our church and service times, please visit revival.me. Enjoy the message. And I felt like the Lord was speaking uh, something out of this text to me, and I want to encourage you um, about this resurrection story uh, that we see in John chapter 11. And it's a resurrection story that broke limitations. You know, Lazarus was dead four days. It's one of the messianic uh, prophecies. And um, I don't know about you, but can you imagine the despair, the disillusion, the discouragement that Mary and Martha and some of the others were in when Lazarus died? And we see the story where first Martha comes, and uh, don't you love Martha? Come on, somebody. Martha, Martha, why are you working in the kitchen? You know, um, Jesus was friends with this family. It was a family that Jesus loved. Just think about that for a minute. And one of the family members died, and Martha first comes. Had you been here, Lord, if you were here, he wouldn't have died. And, uh, and there's always times in our lives where we will question the goodness of God because of a circumstance. But how many know that God's goodness is not connected to a circumstance? It's connected to his heart, and his heart is not always a circumstance. Some of you will get that. Because not everything that happens in this world is God's heart, will, and intent for humanity. You know, when we suffer loss and people graduate to glory or pass on, how many know that death is still a thing? And until the final resurrection, death will be no more. Won't that be a glorious day? At the glorious coming of Jesus, death will be swallowed up at the final resurrection. This is the Christian hope. I don't know about you, but I'm excited about having a glorified body. And you know that our eternity as Christians is not a bodiless bodiless eternity floating in clouds with naked baby angels. It's actually ruling and reigning with him in glorified physical body. Your physical body will have no ailments. That knee that hurts every once in a while, come on. That ankle, whatever it is. There's a, there's a Christian hope of where death will be no more. But we still live in a world where there's sickness, disease, right? And sometimes we think, well, you know, and, and, I, and I just, I'll, I'll tread on this lightly, but I'm going to be truthful about it. You know, when we have the honor to officiate a memorial service or something like that, um, it's, we always want to, and we see it in this story, that we want to weep with those who weep. This is what the book of Romans tells us to do. Rejoice with those who rejoice, weep with those who weep, Right? There's something about bearing one another's burdens and fulfilling the law of Christ. And, and only the person that suffered the loss, the deep loss, the depth of that connection, whether it was a spouse or a loved one or father, mother, or, uh, you know, any, whatever it is, somebody loses a loved one. It's a deep pain that only God knows. And sometimes it can't be comforted with a verse. Hear me. It just needs to be comforted with an embrace, Amen. with tears right? But what I don't like, can I just tell you what really bugs me? Is that all right? I'm just going to vent a little bit. That's all. And then I'm going to close. It's, it's his venting sermon. No. Well, God must have needed another angel in heaven. There's nothing biblical about that. 
Hogwash. Well, God took him for a reason. No. Well, everything happens for a reason. No. There's not a divine reason behind every single thing that happens in the universe. Do you know that? It doesn't mean that God can't take something that's broken and make it beautiful. But it does mean that God does not initiate every single thing that happens. That's a Greek philosophical God. That's not the God revealed in Jesus Christ. And I don't like it when we look at circumstances and say, oh, well, God's still good, but... No, there's no but. God is good because the goodness of God is not attached to a circumstance because circumstances are not attached to the heart of God. And God's heart and intent for humanity is life and life abundantly. And even though they're casualties of war, we have to remember that we serve the God that can call forth the Lazarus. Four days. Four days. I love the interaction. I'm not going to read the verses. I'm just going to preach. I read the text, and I'm going to highlight a couple verses. But Martha comes to the Lord, and then Mary comes. And I believe Mary, you know, it's that that famous verse, Jesus wept. Wow. The humanity of Christ. He was fully God and fully human. Little did they know that he was going to go to a dark tomb and swallow it up forever. He went into our darkness and in our pain. Talk about Jesus wept. Jesus, God became flesh to take on our sin, suffering, disease, and even death itself. And Mary comes. And I believe that Mary, there was, there was something in the heart of Jesus where he wept. And, of course, you have the professional weepers present, the Jews that were following them around. Oh, where's Mary going? We must follow. She's going to the tomb. Let me follow. They literally had professional weepers. You know, be careful that you don't follow or you're influenced by professional weepers in your life. Follow the weeping of Jesus that leads to life. There are tears that lead to despair and there are tears that lead to life. And we know the story, but I believe Jesus was, was actually moved by the heart of Mary. I want to be like that. I want to move the heart of Jesus. And it's interesting, she said the same thing Martha did. Had you not been here, he wouldn't have died. Was she regurgitating what Mary said? Maybe. Did they both have that same disillusioned perspective? But I really feel like encouraging you this morning that God is good and there's no ifs, ands, or buts. His promises are yes and amen. And if we don't see them performed, it's because we need to keep believing, trusting, and pass those promises on to the next generation. Because we might not see certain things, but we believe our children will and our children's children. Because God will perform what he, what he started. And we see it, and this is why it's so good to look back and think of the faithfulness of God throughout Scripture and even throughout church history in the last 2,000 years. You know, I think about when we planted a church, we, part of us were like, God, I, I just, I don't like church. Have you ever said that? Hopefully not lately. <laughs> Praise God. Amen. Hopefully not in the last, you know, two years since I've been your pastor. Huh? Okay. Moving on. I don't, I feel like something's not right. Something's missing. And I'm discouraged. And I, I don't, like, it's almost like, okay, it was an inspiring message. Worship was, was all right, you know. 
But I want your presence, Lord. Like, I want to know your heart. I want to experience the reality of your nearness. And that was what called my wife and I, the Lord did, called us to plant a church in Las Vegas. We didn't know what we were doing. I'm not saying we do now. We know much more. But we, we knew nothing. Didn't, we didn't read any church planning book. And I'm telling you this because for us, it was a huge sacrifice. But part of it was, God, I'm, I'm really anticipating for you to do something great. And then God began to move, and it was beautiful. But then we began to experience the loss, the pain, and the anguish of just leading a community, but also going through, you know, growth times and pruning times. And how many of you know that ministry can be tough sometimes? Yeah. Serving relationships, family, marriage, not my marriage. By the way, we just celebrated 23 years. Happy anniversary to my beloved bride. What? What'd you say, woman? I can't hear you. No, I'm just playing. I don't talk to her like that. So September 30th was our anniversary. And uh, we may just go out to dinner tonight, right? We didn't celebrate it Friday. You know you're getting up there in years when you, it's like, what are we doing? Oh, we'll just hang out at the house. And Wait a minute. <laughs> I was like, honey, what do you want for it? She's like, no, we're, we're going to go on a trip. and I don't need anything. And I'm like, I'm thinking this is a trick. <laughs> I know if I don't get her something. <laughs> this is a test. My bride is testing me. <laughs> but how many know through like hardships, you know, even in my marriage, it, man, the first five years, it's like, all right, God, I really feel like I heard your voice. But I'm going through it right now. <laughs> You walk into a relationship thinking it's just going to be all rosy. And, and then you realize, no, without pain and sacrifice and the willingness to be self-giving, there's no such thing as love. It's the same with community. And you go through hardships, but you learn to anticipate, God, I know that there's more. I know that there's more. I know that there's more. Imagine Mary and Martha. God, Jesus, had you not been here? And Jesus, of course, rebukes. And Martha believes he's the Christ. You're the Christ, the Son of the living God. And, well, you're going to see life. Oh, I know, yeah, yeah, in the final resurrection. Well, with correcting the Lord with theology. Give me a break. We do the same thing. Oh, yeah, yeah, God, I know. I know, God. I know, I know. God's like, would you be quiet and just listen? No, I'm saying now you're going to see life. Not in 28 years, not in 20,000 years. I want to move in power in your midst now. Like the kingdom of God is at hand. And sometimes we lose heart because of disillusionment, disappointment, discouragement, because we've questioned the goodness of God. But don't forget who is the resurrection and the life. Who is in our midst. And then Mary, of course, moves the heart of Jesus and I just want to read a couple verses that really just highlighted um, why I'm sharing this with you. And I mean, there's so many beautiful things in the story where Jesus, you know, surrounded by all the professional weepers, it says he groaned within himself. I think that there was a, a dual application there. I think that Jesus was groaning because 
He was interceding. He was about ready to raise Lazarus from the dead. This is a messianic miracle. Four days dead, right? But I think he was also groaning because of the unbelief in the atmosphere. I want to be like Jesus, and I want to change an atmosphere of unbelief and death to an atmosphere of belief and life. Can you imagine if we woke up and realized that we're able to do that? And then we all started to doing it as an army, and it's not just a few, a handful of people, but we all become this army of atmosphere shifters. We all become an army of God that says we're going to, well, the climate is just, yeah, there's just really not an open heaven. Well, first of all, that's a lie. But what if we're like, well, let's change the spiritual climate. Hello? With anticipation. I love that word anticipation. It's actually connected to the word to wait upon the Lord. I want to read a couple verses in Psalm 27 in just a moment. But the scripture that I really felt the Lord just highlighted to me was verse 40. First of all, he says, take away the stone. Of course, Martha speaks up. It's going to stink, Lord. When the Lord tells us to do something, we just need to do it and not make any excuses. Come on, somebody. I don't hear any amens from over here. The worship team, y'all, when the Lord tells you to do something, Sarah... But Lord, it's going to, I just don't know. No, just, just, what is Jesus saying to do? The simplicity of just obeying Jesus. Let's get back to that. He's in our midst. He's the resurrection of life. Not only will he resurrect us, but he sustains every breath that we breathe. So we should be utterly dependent upon him every breath, every thought, every second. Jesus, I'm yours. It's a total surrender, and it's a surrender totally, and it's a surrender of all time. Lord, I'm constantly, consistently surrendering to you. My heart is yours. Take away the stone. It's going to stink, Lord. No wonder Jesus didn't just say, be quiet, but he didn't. He was gracious. I would have said, be quiet, but I would have said, shut up, not be quiet. Verse 40, this is a word for us. You know, I think about the new building. I think Lazarus has already come out of the tomb. We're just unwrapping the grave clothes. How many have seen this building as a shell for decades? And you're like, there's no way. Some of you have been part of the church that long, even longer. Lazarus is out of the tomb, guys. We should be really excited about we're just, we're just tearing the grave clothes off him right now. Come on. Isn't it exciting? I'm so glad you're ex- as excited as I am. This is a word for you. And I, and I pray that whatever tombs have developed in our heart because of different things. Promises unfulfilled, relational disappointments, loss of loved ones job, whatever it is. There's Lazarus's. There's, there's places in the garden of our heart that have become like cemeteries. And God's calling forth resurrection. Amen. Are you ready? This is the word of the Lord. Did I not say to you that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God? <sighs> Man, There's wind on that. Jesus said, man, just grab a hold of that for every part of your life, for your church, for your community, for your city, for this region. 
Did I not say that if you would believe, trust, utterly depend upon me, that you would see the glory of God? I don't know about you, but I want to see the glory of God. I don't want to see the glory of a church name. I don't want to see the glory of a past revival. Come on, somebody. I don't want to see the glory of man. I want to see the glory of God. That only comes when he reveals his goodness. That only comes when Jesus is glorified and exalted as King and Lord. That only comes when we extol and we prioritize the presence, the presence of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I want to see the glory of God. I don't want to talk about the glory of God. Come on, I don't want to just preach about the glory of God. I don't want to just sing about the glory of God. I want to see and touch and taste and drink and and experience the tangible manifest glory of His goodness and grace and mercy and forgiveness and love. Come on, and salvation and then see it spread about like a wildfire in this entire region. Oh, God, we want to see your glory. And Jesus said, if, didn't I just, didn't I say it? Didn't I say it? Didn't I tell you that if you believe, you would see the glory of God? Receive the word of the Lord. And the story, Lazarus comes to Jesus with a loud voice. Again, he groans within himself. See, some of us, our Lazarus, we lost our roar and our fight and our shout and our song and our praise. The Bible says, sing a new song to the Lord. No wonder It took as the deer for the congregation to sing this morning because many of us don't want to sing a new song because we're still holding on to some of the old ones and it's hard to step into the new. And let me tell you, there's wind on them old songs and we need to, there's songs for seasons. I like the old songs. We need, I tell Sarah all the time, sing some of the old ones because the congregation connects with them. But I encourage you to lift your voice and sing to the Lord a new song. Because there's a new song to be sung out of hearts that he's resurrected, out of hearts that have been freed from disillusion, disappointment, and discouragement, where we've questioned the goodness of God, but God is good, period, period with a T at the end. God is good. Why? Because it's who he is, and he's worthy of our praise. So, So Lazarus raises from the dead, man comes out with grave clothes and all like a mummy. And then Jesus said, loose him and let him go. The word of the Lord, there's, there's things that have already been raised, but we don't even know it. They're just mummified. And God's like, loose him and let him go. And there's an unwrapping process. And I believe that is a prophetic word for us. I, I could think of so many testimonies of the goodness of God through heartache and hurt and pain and difficulty where you don't see you literally, I don't know, I'm in a dark tunnel, and I, there's no light at the end of this tunnel. Have you ever been there? But there's hope because we have him, and he is the resurrection and the life. So good. In closing, Psalm 27, I just want to read. This is a beautiful psalm. We don't really know when David wrote it. It could have been before he was anointed king. Um, or inaugurated as king. First of all, let me say this. Do you know that David, there's a difference between when David was anointed and inaugurated as king. 15 years from shepherd to king. And it was Cave of Adullam running for his life. All the stuff that David went through. And you bet it was worship in the presence of God 
that shaped the heart of a shepherd to becoming a king. When, when David was anointed king, it was a glorious moment. He chose among, among his brothers. But he wasn't yet inaugurated as king. There's a process there. But this psalm, there's, there's lots of pieces I could take from the psalm, but I'm just going to read a couple verses. It starts with, let me read it in the New King James first. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? Even when it's dark, you feel like you're the one in the tomb. I don't know how I'm bound. I, I don't know how. The Lord is my light and my salvation. The Lord is the strength of my life. Whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked come against me to eat my flesh, my enemies and foes, they all stumbled and fell. Though an army may encamp against me, my heart will not fear. That's profound. An army. An army. Even if an army. David's like, I'm not going to be afraid. God's warriors need to rise up. And then, of course, verse 4, One thing I've desired of the Lord, and that I will seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. For in the time of trouble, he will hide me in his pavilion in the secret place of his tabernacle. He will hide me. He will set me on a high rock. I want to jump down. Verse 10, When my father and mother forsake me, the Lord will take care of me. The depths of God's love is far greater than even our most loving parents. Teach me your way, O Lord, and lead me in a smooth path because of my enemies. Do not deliver me to the will of my adversaries, for false witnesses have risen against me, and such as breathe out violence. Verse 13, I would have lost heart unless I believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. <laughs> Come on. I'm going to read it out loud, and I want you to just grab a hold of that. I would have lost heart unless I had believed and trusted that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait upon the Lord. Be of good courage, and he'll strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. The word wait is to anticipate. One of the meanings is to be intertwined and interwoven and one with him because he's on the move. How many know when you're one with him, you're going to move with him? Because Jesus is with us. He lives within us. He's in our midst. His presence is here. Let us anticipate the goodness and the glory of God in our lives, in our families, come on, and in our community. And discouragement, disappointment, fade as we gaze into his wonderful face. Stand up with me and let me just pray for you. I hope you were encouraged this morning. I love you, saints. I bless you. And I pray that you would come alive in what God has called you to do. And you would come alive in this community. Thank you, Lord. Would you just begin to lift up your voices to the Lord right now? Hi, Pastor Zach here at Encounter Church in Rochester, New York. Hope you were blessed by that message and we want to give you an opportunity to sow into the ministry if you'd like to. If you would, just go to revival.me and click on the button that says give. Thanks again and have a blessed, blessed day.